We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. 
You can use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. It is Monday, November 23rd, the year 2015. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Mondays to break down all of the action over the weekend in the NFL. I'm joined by Derek Van Riper. Derek, how's it going? It's going okay, Nick. I didn't hit the dab this weekend. I couldn't not feel even my, once. Not even once, and mostly because I couldn't feel my feet. I went to the Wisconsin Northwestern oh, game, no. and for the nine people listening to the pod, maybe one other person other than than you um, actually know what happened in that game. It was awful. The officiating was terrible. It was probably twenty five degrees inside the stadium. Um, my feet were on top of ice anyway, so my feet were just completely frozen. They are becoming part of the ice, and I thought, at the very end of the game, I thought, it's going to be totally worth it that I stayed here from start to finish. I didn't go to the bar. My dad took off at halftime. My little <laughs> brother left in the fourth quarter, and I was, I was out there. I'm like, you know what? You're I'll, just I'll, by yourself. I ended, I, I, by the end of the game, I was by myself. I was with a bunch of people who rode to the game on a bus from Milwaukee. It was a group of 30 people. I was the only one still there, and I was like, you know what? I stayed this long. This is this is like my ice bowl right now, even though it's a meaningless game, essentially between two teams trying to get like a New Year's Day. Well, there, bowl, there are maybe. holiday bowl implications, right? Holi- the holiday bowl. There's nothing more sacred than the holiday bowl. So I I couldn't I couldn't hit the dab. Like I couldn't feel my feet. Like I walked across campus after the game, and I was happy that by the time I got to Dottie's to get a burger. I could barely feel my feet when I got there. That's a there. heck of a walk from Camp Randall all the way to Dottie's. That's a good like half hour. It's a solid when you can't feel your feet. It's a really long walk. So I was kind of like worried that if I if I like felt like you know because if you if your foot falls asleep you can't usually walk. So I thought you know, there's a decent chance that maybe I would end up in an alley somewhere and and that'd be it. And you know life would go on without this pod. Well, actually, wow. this pod would go on without me. Yeah, I mean I suppose exactly. I don't think we would have had much of a choice there but that was a brutal game to be at i was watching it at uh at the old-fashioned downtown and i wasn't paying the closest attention because michigan state ohio state was also on and i was paying a little bit you know a game with real playoff implications and the erickson punt return so anybody who watched this game is probably familiar alex erickson for the badgers i think they were down were they down three at the time four i think it was a 10-7 game okay and northwestern punts erickson you know the, the shorter punt alex erickson is back to return he gives the kind of the stay away sign, you know, so basically a fair catch sign. But instead of it being above your head, you know, below the waist, you know, stay away. Clear, everyone clearly who, not a fair catch who knows, sign. Right. Anyone who knows football or has watched football knows what that is. Just, just get away. And it, that certainly doesn't imply a fair catch. The ball bounces a couple times. Erickson picks it up, sheds a couple tackles, runs it back. And basically it gets called back for what was uh, something that could have been interpreted as a fair yeah, catch. They, they said they called. said it was a non it was it was an, like an illegal or an improper fair catch signal, which according to the rule book, if that's what they saw, they applied the rule correctly, except for one thing. Northwestern players were hitting him. Like, he right. broke several tackles well, there was one, before running the punt back, which doesn't make any sense. Like, one of the hits looked kind of like the the Northwestern guy had slowed up, and I don't know if maybe that's what spurred the call, but that's not a fair catch. I don't know. I mean, we're obviously a little bit biased, but I think I think even Northwestern fans would be, you know, we're kind of willing to admit that they maybe stole one on that on that play. Then there, then there was the fourth quarter. But the the reason that I mentioned I was watching Michigan State Ohio State is because after the punt return, that was about what two minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. I thought that was the fourth quarter. So people <laughs> in the bar are like not really that upset, and like my friends are not really that upset. But I'm like, guys, like how the game's over? Like how like, what's gonna happen? We should head home. And like I closed out my tab at the bar. No, and I was like, let's head no. out. And they're like, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, it's only the third quarter. So. You know, at that point, I was back in the game. You know, we knew life for Wisconsin a whole another 15 minutes. Uh, and then basically the same 
another same situation unfolded. It wasn't a punt, uh, but it was a, a back-of-the-end-zone catch by Jazz Peavy of Wisconsin, a catch I'm making giant air quotes right now because this was like the catch of all catches that was ended up being ruled not a catch. I mean, this is basically the same thing that we've seen happen in the NFL over the last few weeks. He caught it, took at least two steps, at some point lost control, maybe when he when he got up. I don't know. But if you haven't seen the play, go watch it because this is this is about as egregious as it gets. It didn't even look like he lost control of when he hit the ground. No, that's, the that, thing. that's the ridiculous thing about it. And somehow they called it a TD on the field and then overturned it. It's like how like what? it was a no no question. I wouldn't even thought it was a reviewable play. I mean, like obviously like legally it was reviewable, but like if you're watching that live, like there was no question. Like oh man, I hope I hope they they hold this up. Like. Of course, it was a touchdown. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty miserable game to go to. The first and only game I went to this season. So, I guess there's some some hope for the future. I mean, uh, the senior class graduating is not particularly heavy they got, with they talent. They basically got booed off the field. Well, I think I, it was more directed. I, at it, the it was directed at the officials because after the Erickson punt return, pretty much any time the official said anything, he was getting booed right. loudly. Well, they, they were snowballed off the field. Yeah, that well, probably happened. Did you it's, throw any snowballs? No, I, I didn't. People around me were throwing them like crazy. I think they said they ejected 50 people for throwing snowballs. I mean, <laughs> I saw one hit Willie the Wildcat right in the snout, and it came from like 50 rows up. Like It was it was a pretty oh, good throw. Man, what a toss. The, the beautiful thing about it is that I saw it, and it had some like arm side run on it too, so it, it, it like... It was, looked like it was going to miss him to the left, and it just kind of tailed back mm. to the right. Late breaking. Directly stuff. in just the snout. The and cat. the best thing, like, if you're wearing a mascot head, you, your peripheral vision is pretty much zero. He, he thought it came from, like, to his right in the front row, too. So he, he had no idea. Uh, cheerleaders were getting hit. Our, our cheerleaders and Northwestern's <laughs> cheerleaders, which, I, I mean, I guess if you're going to be a jerk, you're be a jerk to everybody. But... It was one of those games, too. I wasn't surprised that the student section showed up late because they, they always show up late. But to show up late and then just to like pelt your own cheerleaders with snowballs is kind of a bad look. Like that, that's probably yeah. It was not it a good was look. a bad look, but again, I mean, I think it was almost all the anger was directed at the officials, but they just took it out on hey, these people are standing there defenseless. <laughs> that was in the first half, though. <laughs> oh wait, what? that was that was upon arrival. I'm, I'm not. I'm like, oh, like, I didn't know that. As the student section finally filled up, it was probably late first quarter, early. Like, I think it was late first quarter. Snowballs just come raining down on the cheerleaders, and like, <laughs> what? What did they do to anybody? Like, they're just they're just out here trying not to uh, freeze. The cheerleaders death. just don't have the same clout in 2015 that they used to in, in the 90s. Well, I, I think they had a lot of respect like in the 60s and 70s. I think that was the yeah. golden era of, of cheerleading. Was cheerleading cool when you were in high school? Mm-mm. Like, not at all in mine either. Like, no. we, I think we just went, like, there were a couple of years, like, I think every other year we had a cheerleading team. It was just whether or not there were enough people to even, like, palms and, like, dance, I think, have taken over. Yeah, that, that was the, the, the girls in the palm squad were, like, really popular. Right. Everyone, everyone yep. liked them. And for some reason, no one liked the cheerleaders. And I just thought, like, there's not really a big difference. They're not, just, they're all well, just, don't say that to, don't tell them don't that. Don't tell that to the palms girls. But ultimately, they're all just at athletic events supporting right. the school. Like, there's nothing inherently bad about no. one group versus the other but for some reason only one can be popular because mm-hmm. high school i guess yeah we'll, we'll get to the maybe we'll bring on uh someone from each party uh, have a, a rotowire cheerleading podcast to, to finally get to the bottom of this issue i don't think we have any cheerleaders in the office yeah i don't i don't think we do actually uh wasn't butters a, a cheerleader at, at whitewater was he actually like a male cheerleader well i guess he is a male so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes he's butters is is a man uh <laughs> Yeah, I think Butters might have been on the on the no cheerleading 
squad at, at right. Whitewater. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot him a message here as we record and see if we can get maybe come back to this at some point in the podcast. Um, speaking of this podcast, no podcast Thursday or Friday with the, with the holiday obviously coming up. What about Wednesday? Joey Pods and, and Dory, are they going to be on? I'm giving them the day off uh, oh, okay. as the executive assistant Bizarre. to the regional manager of this podcast. I'm going to give Joey and, and Mike the, the day off, and I don't know who I'm recording with on Wednesday, but we'll probably Could be anybody. We'll probably just jam three pods into one, which I'm sure will work out great. So if, if I'm recording for three hours on Wednesday... Megapod. That's going to be the the worst podcast of all time. But well, yeah, I'll no, be here if you if you need somebody to grab. What? Well, might have a rotating group of hosts. I maybe one hour per host, and I'll, I'll be here for all three. I would be totally down for that. But let's get into the the week eleven games. We had four teams on by this week, so uh, close to a full schedule in this week eleven. We'll start quickly with the Thursday game, a game that you've probably had a chance to talk about, uh, but one that I have not spoken about yet jacksonville 19 tennessee 13 jaguars first back-to-back wins in almost two calendar years um i mean this this what a game did you were you able to watch it on thursday no i chose not to and i i I was not kidding at the time even i i um i i consciously chose to go have a conversation with some friends about religion politics and race because i didn't want to watch the titans and jags I don't even know how to respond to that. I, I attempted to watch it. Uh, well, I did watch most of it at, at home. Went to a, a local establishment to watch the second half. Where'd they you go? The Red Shed? Jenna's. Oh, Jenna's, yeah. They wouldn't put place. it on because... They refused? <laughs> well, they, it wasn't necessarily as much of a refusal as it was like a courtesy thing. To the, to the uh, other patrons of well, the bar? Right. Well, I mean, I don't, you're probably familiar with Jenna's. They have a, they have a TV upstairs, and that's where we were sitting at the bar. And it was playing like I think it was Apollo thirteen, like a movie with the sound off. You know, not something you would ever want to watch for me. Period. Uh, for most people in a bar, and they had like a de- like, you know these like hipster looking guys were doing a DJ set or whatever. And this is a Thursday night, like not it's not that crowded. Nothing's really going on. And I asked the bartender, I'm like, hey, could you please put the Thursday night game on? He's like, man, I wish I could. I'm a big football fan, but these guys like part of their shtick as DJs is they play movies while they DJ. And he like basically gave them this look, and there's like, no, we can't change it. I'm not so, I'm not anti hipster at all, but I don't I don't like I don't like the idea of playing Apollo 13 and running music over it as like a cool thing. Well, to it just do. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was. I don't like. I, I would never have thought they were even connected. You know, it, Jenny's Jenny Jenna's is a little bit of a quirky place, but I would never have thought like, oh, this must be part of the DJ set. This movie, like, I think I think part of like, and I know I'm an expert because I went to the Zed show. Part of the experience of going to see a DJ is the, the visual, like you know, the lasers, the lights, the the sure. fire, all the stuff, but not watching an old movie in its right. entirety. Like if you had little clips that kind of like synced up with the music, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. It was but weird. Come on, like just playing Apollo thirteen while you, were they, were they spinning vinyl or were they just playing off the laptop? Well, that's the thing. They, they didn't even have a laptop. We were we were trying to figure out that too. They had like a turntable set up, but it looked like they just had like an aux cord plugged into an iPod, and like they were just the guys were just like standing there. They weren't like scratching or or doing any kind of remixes that we noticed. So I don't know. I mean, maybe this was their first time or something. But either way, I was I had to resort. I was with Jake uh, Latarski, and we had to, to stream it on his phone. So I was able to tune in <laughs> just in time to see the the Julius Thomas touchdown after the big Rashad Green return, but. Jags are firmly on the prowl at this point. Four and six, one game behind Houston and Indianapolis. Both teams uh, that were able to win this past weekend. Their next three now coming up, home to San Diego. That's a two-win team. At Tennessee, another two-win team that they just beat. And then home to Indianapolis. So 
I mean, are they going to roll into Indy at six and six? You tell me. Yeah, they're going to roll through Indy and be seven and six. I you think, think so? probably they already sitting lost atop to the division. Though. Yeah, you can't lose twice to Hasselbeck in the same season, mm-hmm. though. It's impossible. Yeah, actually, that is true. Mariota looked pretty decent in this one. Somewhat of a conservative game from him. No touchdowns, no picks. Did have a rush touchdown on a, on a nice play call, kind of a, a blind rollout where pretty much fooled the entire Jags D. Blake Bortles, 21 of 30, 242 yards, a touchdown and a pick for him, a pretty typical line. Alan Hearn somehow didn't get in the end zone, which is the first time since, what, week two or week three that that's happened. Alan Robinson did have a big game, though, 113 yards on five catches. I mean, is he a, arguably a top 10 receiver in the league right now? I mean, the numbers say he is. I think he belongs there. I mean, I think he's... He's probably maybe number nine or 10, but... As our colleague Chris Liss said on Friday, he's carrying Blake Bortles along or dragging Blake Bortles yeah, I mean, along with him. you see some of these catches that he makes, he absolutely is. Some of the bailout, you know, kind of throws into double coverage that Bortles makes, and Robinson comes up with him more often than not. Yeah, the, the prototypical kingmaker receiver, right? The size, speed, right. the hands, everything you need to just take over a game. Alan Robinson seems to have all those attributes. Right. Hearn's numbers have been, you know, close to as good, but he's not really the physical specimen, not the guy that you can, you know, you can trust in those jump ball type of scenarios. Um, looking at Tennessee though, two and eight, kind of cruising toward the top of the draft. You know, let's or a little early to look ahead, but this looks like a team that's probably going to own a top five pick. You know, maybe top three. Are they in need of a running back or maybe another receiver? Do you think they maybe try to fortify the line? I think maybe offensive line would be one area of concern. They need, they need almost everything. They do. They need everything yeah. but a quarterback. I mean, they could use a, a top-shelf receiver if you felt like there was someone in the top five that they should take. I don't think there's necessarily one going in the top five this year. I, th- this draft class seems a little weak just based on the early reports I have red but it doesn't yeah. doesn't mean it's going to hold up that way things could change a lot between yeah now once you get and, to the then, combine then you can really start to tell I, mean, I think it's a little bit weak at the quarterback position awful like, at the quarterback like, it position. seems like there's like four or five quarterbacks that everyone agrees are like late first round early second round i mean is a guy like like paxton lynch i mean i don't know if, i don't follow the nfl draft that closely but he just doesn't scream you know future star quarterback to me and this is the guy who's pretty much i think the consensus number one quarterback at this point it's a really bad time to need a quarterback so i guess the one silver lining for titans fans right now is that their team doesn't need a quarterback but uh i I would imagine like an offensive lineman maybe some kind of top end pass rusher something along those lines is probably what they do with that first rounder yeah someone the the way that these quarterbacks shake out kind of reminds me uh, what draft was it where it seemed like a ton of teams were reaching for quarterbacks? I think it was the was it 2011. Oh, I thought you were thinking of like the Cade McNown draft. No, it was the 2011. So the Jaguars kind of reached up and got Blaine Gabbert. That obviously didn't work out. Minnesota, two picks later, went Christian Ponder. That didn't work out. Um, and it, it was just kind of one of those drafts where it seemed like teams were kind of reaching and reaching, and you know none of these guys maybe should have been drafted where they were. Kaepernick, you know, in hindsight, maybe that pick looked fine for a little bit, but this is a guy that's probably not even going to be on the roster next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. Tennessee's obviously not in the market for a quarterback, and I don't know if you know. I don't think there's any running back that's worth you know using a top five pick on at this point, and they really don't know what they have in David Cobb yet. You know, a guy who they spent, I think it was a third round pick on in this past draft. Yeah, I think Cobb will get a few more touches, but Antonio Andrews has been exceeding expectations over the last few weeks. By the way, that Cade McNown draft, Tim Couch went first overall, oh, Keely yeah. Smith went third, Eagles got Donovan McNabb second, and Eagles fans treated Donovan McNabb probably worse than uh, the Badger student section treated the cheerleaders on Saturday. Culpepper at 11, pretty good pick in terms of overall value. Cade McNown went 12, Sean King at 50th overall in round two, Brock Heward in round three. Ugh. Horrible draft for quarterbacks. 
It's atrocious. All right, let's move on to Green Bay. They were in Minnesota on Sunday. Packers 30, Vikings 13. Green Bay back on track after those three ugly losses. I mean, the score says they won, you know, two two plus touchdowns. It was a pretty convincing win, you know, as it looked on TV. But was this a convincing, you know, we're back game that you were hoping for from Green Bay, or is there still quite a bit of improvement? I think there's still a lot more in terms of improvement. I mean, Rodgers went 16 of 34 for 212, and, and it was just a little he just off. missed there, a lot of throws, too. I mean, there were some drops, to yeah, be sure. It seems but, like Cobb is kind of good for one wide-open drop per game now. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the shoulders still bother him a little bit. Mm-hmm. If, if you had a, a bad shoulder, I mean, that could cause your fingers, your hands to not feel very good, and if you can't feel the ball very well, you might drop it a little more often. I mean, there's plenty of speculation right. you could do there because usually Cobb's pretty sure-handed. Uh, I thought the Packers' defense stepped up again. I mean, they played well in that game against the Lions, too. I mean, this was something else. I mean, they were, they were Bridgewater was, had no time. I mean, the amount of—it seemed—I think he was sacked uh, six times in this one. But, I mean, the amount of times that he was about to go down was able to either, you know, fling it out to somewhere in the, in, you know, in the middle of the field where no one was or just get it out of bounds. I mean, it easily could have been what seemed like a, a 9 or 10 sack game for Green Bay if Bridgewater wasn't as, you know, as elusive as he is. Yeah, Bridgewater, I think— kept that from being even worse right. the thing about it too that is sort of interesting to me is that it didn't feel like in the pass rush that clay matthews was completely dominant but it seemed like as a team they were very very dominant so i think that's a really encouraging sign right yeah I mean, you had six sacks by five players it, it wasn't like anyone was you know single-handedly dismantling this vikings d but i mean dom capers was dialing up the blitz seemed like a little bit more uh than he was in the past and, and it was certainly more effective than it's been over the last few weeks eddie lacy finally back in this one and this this was the best that he's looked I think since last season the burst was back I mean 22 carries I mean he's finally getting the workload I guess and that certainly helps 100 yards for him a couple of those runs where you know he didn't break anything off that was huge but a lot of those runs returned what maybe is a four yard gain for most backs into an eight or nine yard gain just with the way that he's able to kind of run through tackles and always fall forward James Starks eight carries 14 yards pretty big letdown game from him like you said Rogers 16 of 34 uh, completion percentage has been a bit of an issue of late that efficiency but still getting the job done not turning it over yeah things have returned to normal in terms of Lacey kind of taking over the backfield again and it's funny when James Starks was named the starter a couple of weeks ago our, our colleague Mike Doria sent me a hip chat and he was like hey congratulations and I was like what do you I have, I have Starks in the stake league and I just thought this isn't going to last like Lacey's going to be the guy again if people were overrating Lacey going into the season, I, I I buy that. Like he was higher than he should have been. Early first round pick. I never liked him in that spot. But at the same time, he was at the point where people were saying they couldn't get anything for him in a trade as recently as last week. Which you think about that offense, you think about the physical presence he brings. Starks and Lacey are very different backs anyway. So even if Starks were the starter. Lacey could still have a role. He makes more sense as a short yardage guy. It looks like he's the volume guy again. Maybe they'll mix and match a little bit from week to week. Maybe the Packers will be a frustrating team to own either running back for. But it just looks like Lacey's finally kind of back to where we thought he'd be going into the year. I think he could be a top 15 back the rest of the way. I think the ceiling is just lower than people expected coming into the year. And and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think top 15 is certainly reasonable. And if you're a Lacey owner with you know, still kind of even if you had him on your bench and you're still holding out hope that he'll have some value, I think this is exactly the type of performance that you look for. AP just 13 carries for him. I, I thought they maybe should have given that a little bit more of a of a look, but obviously Minnesota playing from behind for most of this game. 13 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Did lose a fumble though, and it was a pretty costly one. Green Bay had just scored 
to start the fourth quarter, and and Minnesota, you know, desperately at that point uh, needed a touchdown, and, and they were they were de- were they deep in Green Bay territory at the time? I'm trying to remember exactly for the, for when the that. Peterson fumble. I think that was out around uh, they were midfield. Like the Green Bay thirty. It looks like so. Yeah. I mean, definitely just over midfield. driving at least, and that was on a first down carry as well when, when that drive. Uh, looked to be going in Minnesota's favor, so that was kind of the dagger. I mean, Sam Shields was able to jump on that fumble, and and Green Bay pretty much ran out the clock from there. But yeah, I mean, this is certainly the game the Packers needed. I mean, panic would have been uh, maybe at an all-time Rodgers era high had had Green Bay lost this game. But now you look ahead, home to Chicago on on Thanksgiving, home to or excuse me, at Detroit the following week. Hard to see this team losing to Detroit twice uh, this season, and then home to Dallas uh, in two weeks. So. The, the schedule is favorable, I think, for Green Bay, especially in the short term. You like their chances in all three of those games. At Oakland could be a bit of a trap game, but this Oakland team all of a sudden doesn't look nearly as scary as they did two weeks ago. At Arizona in Week 16 is going to be a game that could ultimately determine that second seed in the NFC. Yeah, that's the the big one of the remaining ones. The home game against Dallas could be pretty tough, too, because the Cowboys pretty much have to win out if they want to win the NFC East. But that division's bad enough where I think the Cowboys actually do have a chance to pull oh, it yeah. off. It's slim well, chance, but it's, out, right? it's doable. It's <laughs> definitely doable uh, for them. I mean, Detroit won yesterday against Oakland 18-13. Oakland couldn't do anything offensively. And I remember thinking going into the week, I, I liked Amari Cooper. I liked Michael Crabtree. And I certainly wasn't alone in that. I think there are a lot of people out there that wanted to load up their DraftKings lineups with Oakland, uh, Oakland skill position guys just because the offense should have been so much better than it was. Derek Carr had 169 yards. Cooper had one catch for four yards. Matthew Stafford didn't even do that much in this one. 22 of 35 for 282, had a rushing TD. Golden Tate was a little more involved, 8 for 73. Megatron had 5 for 88. Uh, but just a, a weird, low-scoring crap game that makes you think that Oakland is going to be nowhere near a wild card, even though a few weeks ago it looked like they might have been kind of a surprise playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even after that loss to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, I think people were still, it looked like Derek Carr had kind of turned a corner and everyone was really high on this Oakland team. Denver coming off of a loss, everybody was talking about, you know, could they chase him down? And now it's Kansas City that's kind of, you know, at least the biggest threat to, to the Brock Osweilers right now. And, and you know, Oakland kind of in free fall. Maybe this Detroit team is a little bit better than we've given them credit for. And I, I think you and I have talked about this, you know, as they were kind of on that losing streak earlier, earlier this season. You look at that offense and you're like, this isn't this isn't a two and fourteen team. This isn't this isn't a one or two win team when you have Megatron, when you have that running back combination, and even a, a fairly proven commodity like Matthew Stafford. And I think maybe we're just starting to see that. I mean, certainly this Detroit team is well out of the playoff race, but this could end up being a, a five or six win team pretty easily. Yeah, thanks in large part to Jim Bob Cooter. I think they're two and one now with right. the JBC as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's all about the Cooter, really. Um, real quickly, better chance Green Bay gets to 11 wins or Jacksonville gets to eight wins? So basically, which of those teams is more likely to go four and two the rest of the way? I mean, what are the stakes here? Is my life hanging in the balance? Eh, we can we can make it that if you we're, want. We're gonna go. I mean, I I guess I mean if I were actually gonna go put money on it, and I, I'd rather just bet the Packers because they're a better team and Jacksonville with Blaine Gabbert still being a young quarterback, I think he could still be prone hey. to, to making big mistakes. Allen Robinson helps a lot. Did you say Blaine Gabbert. Oh, I said Blaine Gabbert, didn't I? We need wow. like a we need like a Blaine Gabbert swear jar. Yeah, I, I'll pay up on that one. Blake Bortles. I mean, he's still a very young quarterback. I, I'm, I'm locked into the past on the Jags. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be because they're they're a different team now. Uh, but if Allen Robinson were to get hurt, this offense I think would just fall apart. Oh, yeah. Like they, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's just over it for would their be offense. Completely dismantled. Absolutely. Um, 
All right, so yeah, just returning to this this Oakland Detroit game, somewhat of an an odd ending in this one. Oakland gave up a safety with about seven minutes to play. They punt to Detroit down eighteen to thirteen after that safety, and this is a, a Detroit team that struggled to move the ball. We know that, and they were able to to put together a thirteen play drive just running out the clock with seven thirty one to play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, how about that? Like a, a sustained drive to seal it. it. They didn't even score. They ended up kneeling at the end of the drive. It's the last thing you'd expect, right? But getting just enough yardage. Oh, it's each, like that. Uh, what game? That high school football game we had on in the office. I don't know if you were out there on Friday. Some team real. They they held the ball for the. I think it was like a twelve minute drive. Jeez. So like the it was like the final two minutes of the third quarter, and then like all of the fourth quarter, they just they were able to. It was like a seventeen play drive. That's crazy. I mean, that, yeah. that's, I mean, that's something that only happens in Wisconsin high school football when every team just runs the ball every time. You got you to you establish the run, though. If you never you establish do. the run, you can't pass. That's true. And you, I mean, you got to establish the pass if you want to run. It goes both ways. Yeah. All right, Indianapolis 24, Atlanta 21. Falcons are rapidly ascending to number one on my cannot trust in pick'em leagues list uh three straight losses now to james winston blaine gabbert and matt hasselbeck mm. are you sure you didn't mean blake bortles because i'm no, I, I, would, I definitely mean blaine gabbert yeah it, it was it was on the road in san francisco i mean that's that's pretty ugly and the falcons and they're five and oh at one point this year if i'm not mistaken Six and one yeah i mean they, they looked pretty good pretty far into the season and now you look at them and you're saying is this a playoff team and julio jones still doing julio jones things Leonard Hankerson had a decent day. Uh, Patrick DeMarco scored twice. Wh- where is Roddy White? And why didn't they trade him if they're not going to use him? I don't I don't know. I remember reading, you know, back in maybe week 3, week 4 an article about Roddy White being frustrated with his role, but then he had a quote saying, you know, stand by the organization, things are going well right now. I'm not going to complain, not going to be a distraction. So, you know, there's money involved, obviously as a veteran as he is and I don't think he necessarily wants out. And obviously, at the time, they were like five and one. I think when he had that quote, so maybe things have changed. I, I, I just don't think he's effective anymore. I, I don't know. I, I just doesn't for some reason it doesn't seem like he fits Kyle Shanahan's offense. I, I, I think if Ruddy White goes and plays somewhere else in 2016, which if he plays in 2016, I would assume will be elsewhere. I think I would take the chance on him as a as an option in like full point PPR leagues. I don't think you're going to get the same massive like, big play production that we had earlier in his career or anything like that but I, I think in the right situation he could still have some value i think i think he's um getting passed over more because of scheme than because of a complete skills erosion even though he's not the same player he was mm. you know three four years ago All right matt ryan decent line in this one outside of the three interceptions 25 of 46 280 yards three touchdowns Julio, like you said, big game for him, 160 yards on nine catches. Didn't get in the end zone, though. Patrick DeMarco uh, had those two touchdowns from Ryan, as did Leonard Hankerson. Matt Hasselbeck, 23 of 32, 213 yards, a couple touchdowns, as well as two picks. He's now 3-0 and as the Colts starter. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, two receiving touchdowns. So Ahmad Bradshaw and Patrick DeMarco combined for four touchdowns, guys who I'm sure were in everybody's lineup. Here's another better chance question for you. Is there a better chance that the Chiefs make the playoffs after starting 1-5 and five, or a better chance that Atlanta misses the playoffs after starting 6-1? and one? Mm, I think in the AFC, that last wildcard spot may be a little easier to get. No, no not necessarily. That, I don't know. Because the loser of the Bengals-Steelers is going to get one, like we talked right. about before. And then New England's a lock. Cincinnati's a lock. One AFC so. East, like either like the Jets. The Jets are spot. Jets fall. It's basically going to come down to like Kansas City, Buffalo, or the Jets. 
I think unless like the Texans or Jags really make some noise. I think the Chiefs. I mean, I thought the Jets were the best that team going into this week, and maybe the Texans are trending in the right direction. So going on the road to Houston is actually pretty tough. You trust TJ Yates though. Well, they might not have to for much longer. I think Hoyer has a chance of at least returning in, in yeah, week twelve. But I don't know. Like I'm looking at the Falcons and who could who could bump them. I think the Falcons have a slightly better chance of making the playoffs than the Chiefs. So I'm, I'm going to say it's still more likely that. Well, I, I think I think Atlanta could get passed up by Seattle. Seattle could still get pretty pretty hot down the stretch and that wouldn't be a huge surprise right their defense continues to play well no one in the east is going to pass them for that second wild card and i think the vikings packers loser gets one so yep. yeah it's pretty much seahawks versus falcons i guess because there's really only two teams vying for it the falcons have a better chance of making the playoffs than the chiefs all right fair enough well reasoned um houston 24 the jets 17 so back to back uh, pretty big wins for this Houston team after knocking off Cincinnati last week. Texans all of a sudden very much alive now in that AFC playoff picture. There's three straight wins overall, I should say. Um, and now they have New Orleans at Buffalo and home to New England over their next three. So the New Orleans game could go either way. I don't think we'd be shocked if they beat New Orleans by three touchdowns. I don't think we'd be shocked if New Orleans put up 45 points and beat them by three touchdowns. That's kind of how it's gone for the Saints this season. Um, but Houston now tied with Indianapolis for that number one spot in the AFC South, the Jags uh, lurking just a game back in the weeds. But I mean, when, when, once it's all said and done, I, I think the, the Texans and the Colts are still a step ahead of Jacksonville in that division. I think you know the Colts have had all these injuries, all this dysfunction. They're still sitting at 5-5. Five and five. I think that says quite a bit. Yeah, I think the thing with the Texans is that you look at their defense and you see the potential for everything to start clicking for them on that side of the ball. And if they can get that... With a healthy Hoyer, um, having a guy in, in DeAndre Hopkins who, as we saw against Darrell Revis, really is just matchup proof at this point. I mean, he burned Revis on one of those TDs. I think Revis left the game with a concussion, and then Hopkins scored his second one of the day. But having that weapon is is pretty huge. I think what really hurts them is they're a team that cannot run the ball very well uh, without Arian Foster. If Arian Foster were still healthy, the Texans would be probably the hands-down favorite to win the division it's amazing to me that a running back could make that much of a difference but I think it's just a matter of not having a quality backup that you can turn to that gets you, you know, four or four and a half yards per carry and with that it just becomes a lot harder to sustain drives and you need to rely more heavily on your defense to, to win games for you so ultimately I, I do think the Texans are, are still like the slight favorite but I think it'd be a huge gap if they had Foster yeah I think that's pretty pretty fair especially with Andrew Luck's situation still someone up in the air TJ Yates 16 of 34 229 yards two touchdowns no picks for him and just one sack uh so good job by that Houston offensive line to protect him DeAndre Hopkins huge game 118 yards on just five catches two touchdowns for him Alfred Blue got in the end zone on a receiving touchdown I think that one was thrown by Cecil Shorts actually ex-Jaguar mm. Cecil Shorts who yeah it was a nice play I was watching that on the red zone mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he had so he has some experience as a quarterback at the college level. I could be wrong. He played at Mountain that. Union, he right? He did. He was a D three guy. Yeah. Um, but is, is he teammates with Pierre Garcon? Because I know he played at Mount Union. Yeah, also. he 
he very well might have been. That's like the greatest D three receiving combo of that's, all time, like by far. That's a really. I mean, like, there, there you go. That's why Mount Union and UW Whitewater were constantly playing each yeah. other in the in the stag bowl. But UW UW Whitewater. Uh, sure, everyone cares about this. Lost to UW Oshkosh this year. Actually, I think Oshkosh is kind of in the driver's seat in that whole uh, national championship picture this year. I think Oshkosh and Whitewater have to play each other again. I thought they both won this weekend. And then I think before the championship, Whitewater would have to play Mount Union, so it wouldn't oh, be wow. it wouldn't be the, the final this year. Yeah, well, it's just does the your way sister go to Oshkosh? She graduated. She, oh, she did. Yeah, okay. so she's uh, she's no longer an avid uh, okay. Titans fan. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I had several friends who went to UW Oshkosh, and basically they said no one ever went to the game. Like they, it was never even a consideration to go, which is sad because like they're actually pretty. Have, like, they've been pretty decent. The yeah, like they're yeah, they're pretty exactly. solid. Yeah, still a, still a couple friends lingering, you know, red shirt, red shirt, red shirt seniors. <laughs> Six-year uh, seniors. Still hanging out in the business school there. But Has anyone ever taken a medical red shirt, like, outside of athletics? <laughs> where like, and, and not, I'm not talking, like, a serious medical problem, but, like, fell down the stairs at a party and then had to, like, take a semester off. Has that ever happened? I'm sure it's happened. Um, that seems me. more likely to happen the further north you go oh, in the yeah. state. Oh, Oshkosh, I'm sure. That's probably, you know, 10 to 20%. Uh, of your <laughs> freshman class. Most, most of your fifth-year seniors <laughs> fell on some stairs at some point <laughs> because uh, they drank too much. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 19-39, 216 yards, two picks, did have a rushing touchdown, threw a touchdown to Brandon Marshall. Um, but, yeah, disappointing day from this Jets team after, after that loss to Buffalo last Thursday night. Tampa Bay, 45, Philadelphia, 17. Speaking of disappointing performances, uh, just when you think you can trust the Eagles, just when that offense starts to heat up a little bit, they have a game like this. Yeah, that Eagles defense really got destroyed in this one. I mean, Jameis Winston, the five TDs, nineteen to twenty nine. He was it was like Mariota against Tampa right. in Week One. That's what it looked like. Uh, I mean, it was Evans, it was Vincent Jackson, it was Cameron Braid, it was Charles Sims, it was Russell Shepard, it was it was everybody. Russell Shepard, no idea this guy was even in the NFL. I mean, he was like the number one overall recruit back in what 2010 or something like that. Went to LSU and was kind of a disappointment. Played like third receiver, and good to see him back in the NFL now. Yeah, pretty cool that uh, they've they've got that much depth. It seems like they've got some weapons that kind of fit well uh, with Jameis, who actually is having a really good season. Really uh, good, kind yeah. of almost under the radar somehow i think he dug himself a hole like people still think back to like that week one destroying by marcus Mariota, and you know mm-hmm. winston had a few turnovers through the first couple weeks of the year but pretty much since like week three week four he's been incredible yeah he played really well in this one doug martin had a huge day on the ground 27 carries 235 yards at the highest total of the year for any running back i've seen some big games from ap and, and thomas rawls among others i thought the eagles at the very least would participate in the shootout by you know scoring points it looked like they were going to at first and and then they just stopped second half there was just nothing there i mean josh huff and darren sproles were on the receiving end of tds from sanchez demarco murray is still pretty good on a per carry basis he's been good really ever since the first couple weeks when he scuffled but now the problem is the defense is so bad they fall behind the volume's not there week in and week out. Uh, still just one game back of the Giants, though, at 4-6, and six, which for all the things that have gone wrong is pretty remarkable. So I think the fire Chip Kelly cries are, are still somewhat limited. I mean, because what I are you going to do? Chip Kelly to Syracuse rumor <laughs> this morning. Like, this Why would he being, take that job? I don't know. I don't know. There's He's rumored for every single job out there. And, like, I don't – I mean, Chip Kelly obviously has a, a proven track record at the college level, but – what exactly about his last two years in Philadelphia have screamed, like, we need to hire this guy? I just can't even imagine 
why he would accept that job, but he could go to the University of Miami, go to USC, any of those bigger yeah, programs that are available Syracuse. where he could recruit like crazy too. Come on, that if, if he goes back to college, that's where he'd go. I I I'd like him to go back to to Oregon. Like that'd be that'd be like everything. Can you just like kick Helfrich back to offensive coordinator? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Helfrich would be would be fine with that. You know, like I don't know why I want Chip Kelly to go back to Oregon. So Oregon was fun with him. Like that was the perfect match of everything they were about and the kind of athletes they had and obviously that offense. I mean, now we have Baylor. Like Baylor's kind of like taken over that role and and TCU, which is extremely bizarre. Like I don't. You remember how bad Baylor was? Horrible through like the mid 2000s. Awful. They weren't even that good when RG three was there. Yeah, that, that's when BCS it started. That, that's when they started to get right, some recognition. Right, but they still had like four losses that year when he won the Heisman, didn't they? I can't even I mean, recall. They weren't, they weren't a BCS team, right? Like they they weren't. But they a great were. I mean, team. they were bad, bad. Like Kansas, bad for a while. They were. Yeah, they were annually like a two or three win team. Yep. Because the division, I mean, the conference was was strong it's enough. Crazy to how just that beat stuff shifts. So, I mean, look, look at where Tennessee's at right now. Even even Florida. I mean, they're a top ten team, but still, they're they they're not nearly the power they were six years ago. Or Texas, it's. Things have flipped drastically, and I'm, I'm sure they'll continue to kind of ebb and flow throughout the years. Mark Sanchez, three picks in this one, obviously really hurt the Eagles. One of those was a pick six by Levante David. That was late in the game, really putting the final nail in the coffin, which had already had like six nails in it at that point. Josh Huff, Darren Sproles both got in the end zone for Philadelphia. Nice play by Josh Huff. This was the first score of the game. Philadelphia got up 7-0, and I think it was a 39-yard touchdown, if I remember correctly. And it was basically all Josh Huff catching a slant and making many guys miss and getting in the end zone. So some nice playmakers, as we've noted, in this Eagles offense, but they just can't seem to put it all together on, on a given week. Is the AFC South better than the NFC East? The combined records of the, of the four teams in each division are the same. No, and the main reason why is that Dallas is finally getting healthy. That's you know, true. With Romo and Dez back, especially, they're a quality team. The Giants aren't terrible. I would take the Cowboys and the Giants over any of the AFC South teams in their current form. I mean, Colts without Andrew Luck, especially Texans without Foster. I, I think all those teams in that division are actually probably weaker than the NFC East, except for Washington. Like Washington, think, yeah. Washington seems like an AFC South team currently playing in the it's NFC close enough. East. I mean, they could they could shift them over there. They're they're close to even like latitude or longitude wise with with Tennessee, aren't they? We're going going to the longitude. <laughs> I don't like, as if that's really ever mattered for pro sports divisions i mean didn't the cardinals used to be in the same division as the packers uh the bucks the, the, bucks. T- the bucks used to be in there oh yeah they were in the the nfc central yeah right? the nfc central tampa bay was in the nfc central so geography is not really a thing when it comes to uh well right you got divisions. i mean you got the timberwolves in the western conference and the nba the, the, the new orleans pelicans are in the west the chicago blackhawks are a western That's conference right, team yeah. and the red wings were the a red western wings. conference team until recently oh are they not anymore they they shifted i, don't, I, think, I don't do prior to last season can't remember now but it's been a couple of years peter forsberg still going for the avalanche no i think he plays in sweden though oh really okay i saw patrick wah is is it wah right he's, Just wah, he's the yeah. coach yeah he's the coach it's crazy now. to me yeah my fondest memory of him was uh watching him get beat up by red wings goalie mike vernon when i was a kid like there was a massive brawl everybody on the ice was fighting and uh mike vernon just kind of took it to patrick wah it was pretty awesome i always remember Chris Osgood, he was a goalie for the Red, the Red Wings, right? I remember I had like neighbors back in the day who were like crazy Red Wings fans, and they named their dog Osgood after hmm. this after this goalie. And I always remember thinking how bizarre that was because this is not a dog name. <laughs> Probably just called the dog Ozzy for they short did sometimes, but they were like very strict. Like, no, his name is Osgood because of Chris Osgood. Was he that good of a goalie? It couldn't have been that good. 
Like yeah. dog name good? Dog name good is, is probably <laughs> – that's about right. All right, Denver 17, Chicago 15, Brocodile Dundee 20 for 27, 250 yards, two touchdowns, was sacked five times, uh, made a few questionable decisions with the ball. But for a first start, I think 20 or 27 is about what you're looking for, especially what they were getting from Manning before the switch. Yeah, clearly an upgrade, at least in terms of this first performance out. And uh, I think I would have laughed pretty hard at Brocodile Dundee if I hadn't seen it on the outline first. Like if you just dropped that out of the blue, it would have – would have probably uh, hit Should me a little differently. Yeah, don't don't you can't write those down. That's just that one's too good. Uh, but the thing is, like he wasn't making mistakes, and, no, and Manning, was Manning was making a doing. lot of them. Yeah, I mean he was sacked five times. But the Bears' defense, with Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, has been trending in the right direction this season. Going on the road for your first NFL start isn't easy, and this was actually a tight game because I think the Bears are. are better than people are giving them credit for. Denver's defense continues to play well, though. I mean, Jeremy Langford was bottled up in this one. Kadeem Carey didn't do much at 32 yards on, on nine carries, and Cutler was 18 of 32 for 265 and a pick, but no Elshon Jeffrey. I mean, you take Elshon Jeffrey away from that Bears offense, and there's just not much left in terms of that passing attack other than Martellus Bennett. Yeah, I've been preaching all season. I think Elshon Jeffrey is generally overrated or overrated, underrated uh, when talking about receivers. You know, he never really gets mentioned in that top tier with with guys like you know, Julio Jones and Dez and you know DeAndre Hopkins has certainly worked his way into that conversation this season. But yeah, we're I mean we're seeing how this offense slows down without him, and part of it is just the the replacement value of going from him to Marcus Wilson uh, is one is one big part of it. You know, they don't have a lot of talent in that receiving core outside of Jeffrey and. You know, they've depended so heavily on Martellus Bennett this year. But, yeah, I mean, the Bears have certainly looked better. That's for sure. I mean, this was a team that was off to a horrendous start and looked like they were going to kind of blow things up. But they've at least been competitive over these last few weeks, and they look like a, a legitimate NFL team. Kadeem Carey left this game. He was the Bears' leading rusher with only 32 yards, but left this game with an injury, kind of hit his head uh, pretty hard on the turf and was a little bit of a scary play. He was down for a while. Jeremy Langford, just 25 yards on 13 carries. Long run of only five yards, but... If you did go with him this week, he kind of bailed you out with a touchdown. Yeah, that late TD, I think, really uh, kind of salvaged what would have been a pretty rough day. Weird choice by the Bears after they, they score inside the final two minutes. The two-point conversion was needed to tie it. They ran on the two-point conversion wasn't play. wasn't even close. Like, pretty much, I, I think Langford was immediately taken down. Yeah, I, I thought I, that was an odd call. You don't, just, run a, you don't run against that Denver defense on a two-point conversion. Not on a two-point conversion. I mean, I think, in general, your game plan does need to be balanced because they're weaker against the run than against the pass. But I think from the two-yard line, you've got to have they, something where you spread everybody out. They had put together a great drive leading up to that, too. You know, Cutler was clicking with, with his receivers, and he thought there was at least a pretty good chance. I mean, the, the momentum was certainly all in favor of Chicago at that point, and I think there was a good chance they were going to punch that in. But, yeah, unable to get the two-point conversion and then unable to get the onside kick as well. So Osweiler was able to kneel it and run the timeout. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting in Week 12. DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event. This time, $1 million goes to first place, and a total of $5 million will be up for grabs. Go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOWIRE, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. That'll let you play free with your first deposit on DraftKings.com. Again, that promo code ROTOWIRE is good for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This is not fancy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, let's move on now to a couple more of these noon games before we get into the late afternoon slate. Baltimore, 16. St. Louis, 13. Just another slugfest. Uh, as we get uh, two struggling teams matching up, Baltimore obviously maybe the biggest disappointment of anybody in the NFL, and, and they've been saddled with some some pretty crippling injuries. 
St. Louis just continues to be ridiculously conservative at all times and just and they're they're probably number two on the do not trust in pick'em list yeah they're awful at this point they really are bad uh, case keenum got concussed before the end of the game but still finished the game and it was an obvious concussion too. Uh, we talked about this on like the last pod i think they have these spotters up in the booth who they're neutral they don't they're not working for either team they're they're only there to spot things like this case keenum gets hit tries to get up like clearly staggers and falls over and like nothing was made of it like i don't even trainers didn't even come out did they he just kind of went back to the huddle no because if the trainers come on the field i think he has to come out for at least one play if you take your helmet off you have to come out too so but if you if you lay it flat on your back and take both your hands and hold them like over your sides of your head you don't have to come out and it's like my question is is concussed case keenum better than like non-concussed backup quarterback option uh, the nick Foles, yeah right probably <laughs> see we'd rather go with a guy who is like maybe having double vision on this last you know on our final drive well the throw he made after taking that hit was actually a good throw his receiver just dropped it uh but this was a tire fire of a game that seemed oh, to yeah. get way too much attention on the red zone channel probably my only real critique of the the rzc uh, over the course of week 11 is that they had way too much from the Ravens and Rams. Flacco got hurt in this one. His season's over, so things just keep getting worse for the Ravens. They're now an offense that you will definitely want to go ahead and, and throw uh, defenses at as a streaming defense target. Maybe the best one going forward. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance of that. I mean, uh, Justin Forsett got hurt, which... Like Forsett's a nice player, but I think Buck Allen's a better running back anyway. We shouldn't even say he got hurt. He got his forearm snapped. Yeah, he broke his. Have you seen? I didn't didn't see the. No, I didn't see it. It is gross. I hate that stuff. I I think it was kissing Susie Colbert. The the blog just you know they they tweeted out a link to the story about it and then just included the photo in the tweet. So I had to look at it. It I was was like trying to avoid it. Yeah. Until then, and yeah, his. I mean, basically, his forearm is like severed in, in half, and it's gross. Great, that sounds great. So he'll probably be on IR before we're yep. done recording this pod. And um, Matt Schaub, it sounds like, will be stepping in for Mr. Flacco. So Matt Schaub as an option in two quarterback leagues is he better than any of the leagues of their starters? Is he better than even Case Keenum? Case Keenum? Is he better than TJ Yates? Yates, as long as he has the Yates getting the Saints though. I think in two quarterback leagues, if he if he gets the start in week twelve, I think people are going to want to use TJ Yates. Yeah, play whoever's facing the Saints if you if you want to stream quarterbacks. Yeah, that that's going to work. I think really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, St. Louis had two hundred and sixteen total yards in this game. Todd Gurley sixty six yards and a TD. Kind of quiet performance from him. So the Ravens did a good job bottling him up. The Rams have lost to the Vikings, Bears, and Ravens. I mean, so. It stands to reason that this they're going to find a way. The Cardinals and the Seahawks, which means they're probably going to go find a way to beat the Bengals, because I think the Bengals are in the middle of a, a mini like tailspin. They're not going to completely fall apart, but they're going to do Bengal things now. This is this is the, the time of year where they do as that. Good as we thought it was. No, it's not a bad defense, but so, it's, it's, it's not it's not like a top eight defense either. It, I mean, they show that they they're very vulnerable when they're facing a good quarterback, and, right? And Carson Palmer was you know had two early picks. We'll get to that game in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly now sitting at eight and two after being eight and zero is not quite the the force that they look like they were going to be in the AFC. Dallas twenty four, Miami fourteen, Romo back. Cowboys end their seven game losing streak. All things are good in Dallas, and and like we touched, I mean, this Dallas team is right in the thick of things in the NFC East. Just two games out uh, of the Giants, you said five and five. Yeah, this is this is a. A game where lesser pods would probably push the the fart button on the soundboard, but we don't have a don't soundboard have a like we, that. We would definitely do that if we had one. We, yeah, right. So maybe maybe better pods would would do that, but we're, we don't we don't have that luxury right now. Um, 
this game looked awful. And this is one I barely got to see on red zone because there wasn't a lot of offense. Terrence Williams, I think, is a guy that quietly is more valuable now because Dez is there to take attention away and Romo's back. And with that, you have a guy that's probably in a top 10 passing game who's going to be third in line for targets some weeks or most weeks behind Bryant and Witten. Sometimes he'll be second in line for targets. So he's kind of interesting in like 14 team leagues and deeper. If you're looking for some help at receiver, good chance he may have been had cut in recent weeks or at least in a 12 team or as like an insurance policy at receiver. Lamar Miller, man, like I just the, the up and down nature of owning Lamar Miller is just miserable. I mean, seven for 44. The per carry numbers were good, but Miami just kind of didn't run that many plays because they weren't extending drives. They, they Tannehill threw 24 passes. Miller and Ajayi combined for 11 carries. Like That's awful. Yeah, I mean, this Miami team, I think we thought, had turned the corner after the firing of Joel Philbin. And certainly that was probably the right move, at least in my opinion. But you know, they kind of had two weeks of, of bliss as Dan Campbell you know, brought his you know, players coach firing everybody up mentality to this team. And now they've kind of come crashing back down to earth, just nine first downs in this game, just two rushing first downs. Uh, one of those came on a penalty as well. One of 10 on third down for the Dolphins. So this, this offense clearly still has some issues. And I mean, I, I think they're, they need to at least reevaluate uh, where they're at with Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think that that certainly doesn't mean they need to make a change there, but I think they need to figure out how they can make this offense more efficient for him because he doesn't look like he's really taken much of a step forward. So here's the question for you. And we talked about the lack of quarterback prospects in the draft, at least guys that are going to change your franchise right now. Maybe they draft someone in the fourth or fifth round and, and Stop let, it, let them yeah. develop for a year or two. Probably Joel Stave, I would, I would guess. If you're a team like the Dolphins, do you go after Peyton Manning? if he's healthy and comes back to play in 2016. There was a report, I think it was on uh, Sunday Night Football pregame show or whatever, they Football Night in America, I think they call it. And they suggested that Manning wants to come back, whether that's with Denver or elsewhere, he wants to play again in 2016. Is Miami on that short list of teams? I mean, and what other teams would you think would even be in a position to consider him as an option, given all the injuries he's had? I mean, I, I kind of think he should just hang it up. I think he should call it a career but to me, like Miami, maybe Houston would be in that mix. San Francisco's dumb enough to do it because they just do stupid things. Well, is he would he go somewhere where he's not guaranteed to be the starter from week one? No, I, I think so. I he, think like a team like Miami would be. It wouldn't be the worst idea to pick him up with the intention of saying you're going to be our backup if Ryan Tannehill starts playing poorly. We'll go to you. If Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, we'll go to you. But we're not guaranteeing you anything. No, I, I think it'd be more of a situation where he'd want to sign somewhere where he knows he's going to play. But that would come with the that would come with the issue of that team likely being a bad team. How yeah, many, how many good teams are a forty-one-year-old Peyton Manning away from a Super Bowl? I don't think any of them are. But I mean, like the teams that would come to mind would be like Houston, just as possibilities, like reasonable yeah, possibilities, like mid-standings teams no, I that think don't they have would a great quarterback. Spot. I just don't think that would be the right move. Like the reason that it's so it, the reason that Denver's eight and two is because that defense is so good and they're able to. Basically, you're saying, you know, Peyton, they're okay with Peyton Manning, or they were okay, at least until last week, with Peyton Manning being a below average quarterback because, you know, he's still better than whatever replacement option you have, and he's a guy that you can trust in playoff situations, at least you'd hope. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think his stock is at an all time low. I think it would be somewhat of a foolish move for a team like Miami that has a guy who is at least, you know, semi shown that he can be an NFL quarterback in Tannehill. But if you're Houston, I guess why not? 
I, it's just I don't know if Manning is I don't know if Manning is the difference maker right now that that takes you from being an eight win team to an eleven win team. I think Houston would be a spot. It depends how much you want to attribute his decline to the physical ailments he's been playing with pretty much all year. I mean, he's right. he's had health issues all. If he season. takes the rest of the season off and rehabs throughout the offseason and comes back. 100% then maybe it's a different story I would expect some kind of bounce back I don't know how much it, it'd be you have to almost see him in the preseason see if there's any zip back on the throws because in his for in his form from this year he's not helping anybody but the idea that he could be an upgrade exists for a couple of teams Houston to me is at that top of that list Miami would be just kind of an interesting one because they do have a lot of weapons and, and I, I I don't think they would do that to Tannehill either um, but the other team that is, is sort of interesting for similar reasons is St. Louis you know, St. Louis, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, there's not a solution there. There's not a short-term fix in the draft. You play eight games in a dome. You could hand the ball off to Todd Gurley 25 times. You get to play indoors, which I think would be really good for him at this stage of his career. That could actually end up being the other team that makes a lot of sense. I could also see yeah. a really stupid team like Washington oh, going out and making that move. I don't, think, I don't think Peyton Manning is a dumb guy by any stretch. I don't think he would sign with Washington. I don't think he'd sign with Cleveland. I think those two teams, St. Louis and Houston, are good enough to where they have that Denver feel to them where they can play pretty good defense. You know, the indoor games in Houston would be a factor too. And in the case of Manning, gets two chances to play the Colts every year. Maybe he wants that a little bit too as he kind of uh, ends his career. So I, I just don't know if he's completely done. I actually heard that report and thought it was silly at first. Yeah, I thought, man, yeah, maybe not. Maybe there's a couple teams that would be interested. I, yeah, I think he'll certainly entertain the offers this offseason. And, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'd say he's probably not back next year. But, I mean, we've th- he's still playing right now. And it's, I don't I don't think it was necessarily his decision to shut it down. Uh, as, I mean, what is his official situation? Like, he could come back this year, right? I feel like, we, like you said, it seems like most people just kind of wrote him off after they announced that Osweiler was going to start. It was, well, that's the end of Peyton Manning in Denver. Like, he, he could start any week, technically, right? Yeah, he's not, he's on, not IR. on IR. No, he's questionable with a foot injury. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, until hmm. I think it'll be Osweiler going forward, but it, you know, there's, I certainly don't think they're, that it's sealed up that Osweiler is going to, you know, if this team makes the playoffs, I think there's going to be a, a, an interesting situation arising where, you know, if they're, if they're hosting a home playoff game, do they go back to Manning? I, uh, just depends on how Osweiler can keep the job. He plays well, but here's the thing about Peyton Manning too, that, I mean, people are listening to this and they're like, what an idiot. I can't believe DVR thinks Manning could help a team. I mean, we, the fantasy community, were drafting him as a top 50 overall player this year because we still thought he was good. I don't remember anybody, nobody was coming out and saying, this is it for Manning. Right. Time to get off the, get off the Manning train. He had 4,700 yards and 39 touchdowns last year. So to drop from a completion percentage that's been above 66% like every year forever to go below 60% this year and to start throwing picks all of a sudden, that to me seems like it's a lot more health than anything else and maybe the health doesn't come back we're also going through a coaching change too and you know the offense is a little bit different but yeah i I agree with you i think if he if he's able to get healthy the rest of this season and the offseason and prove to teams that he looks like 2013 2014 peyton manning then there's certainly a chance carolina 44 washington 16 panthers continue to roll over just about everybody 15th straight regular season win Better chance the Carolina Panthers finish undefeated or the New England Patriots finish undefeated? Got to go Patriots. I think Carolina still has a few weaknesses, but they're clearly um, What are those overlooked. weaknesses at this point? <sighs> Just the receiving core, I guess? It's the receiving core, yeah. But with, with Cam Newton, I mean, 
it looks like it doesn't matter. And I think the interesting thing about Cam Newton, too, is that on DraftKings, you could always pair him with Greg Olson, and it's reasonably priced. Like, it's never cost-prohibitive to have Cam and Olson as a stack, and you know if he's going to have a decent game, Olsen's going to have a good game, too, because it's very rare that Olsen gets shut out. It happened, I think, earlier this year at least once, but it's it's just not really something that... They, no, they I mean, Olsen is routinely priced, you know, if you look at, at DraftKings, like $2,000 below Gronkowski. Right. And, and, you know, Gronk obviously has that more high-end potential, but Olsen's been just as productive. And, you, you know, we talk about the, the lack of weapons in Carolina, but it's kind of the same, a similar story to New England. You know, a bunch of no-name receivers and then a great tight end that kind of buoyed these offenses. Yeah, Devin Funchess went 4 for 64 in a TD. In it seems like he's kind of trending in the right direction. I mean, he played well in that game against the Packers a couple weeks ago, too, so... Kind of an interesting pickup for the stretch run if he's available in your season-long league. Jonathan Stewart went over 100 yards. He's been durable so far. You know, you hope it continues if you've got him and scored a receiving TD in this one. I think the bookshelf got in the end zone once, too. Yep, the cement truck got in. Five different touchdowns to five different receivers for Cam yeah. Newton in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, just a vintage MVP-type performance, I guess, from Cam. And I've been, I've been hesitant to throw him in that race, but I think he's firmly at least in the top three at this point, if not in the driver's seat. I mean, coach of the year, uh, MVP, and then, you know, which team is going to go undefeated are kind of going to all come down to, to Carolina and New England at this point, right? I mean, Brady and Cam, I think, have a pretty big gap on just about anyone else in the, in the MVP race right now. Peterson has a case, but I think, A, the popular vote, and, you know, it's not, it's not a fan vote, obviously, but, you know, this stuff does seem to creep into these awards votings from, from the media. You know, he has he has the off the field issues hanging over him. And I think Minnesota needs to win like 11 games for him to really get consideration, although he did come into last week with like a 200 yard lead uh, as far as most rushing yards in the league. Well, I think part of it, too, it's hard for a running back to win that award, because as we've seen time and time again, the impact of most running backs is a lot more limited than the impact of quarterbacks. The award has become almost a quarterback award over time, which given how the game is played, isn't that much of a surprise. Um, but I, I would, yeah, at this point, it's to me, gotta it's got to be Cam's to lose, though, it's, right? It's, even it's if Brady, Brady and Cam, like even, it, even if they both win 15 games, I think Cam has the edge. Well, I, I think the thing that works against the Patriots is the success they've had right. over the past 15 it's years now. Fatigue, you know, it, it keeps Brady. It makes it harder for Brady to win awards like that. It makes it harder for Belichick to win coach of the year. I mean, Belichick if, could win coach of the year every single year. Yeah, you could you could make a case could for him every year because they're they seem to do as much with talent that other teams don't really want, or they find talent better than other teams do. Like there's so much there in terms of how they scheme and, and how they play, and yeah, they they have these incidences like Deflate Gate and stupid things that come up from time to time. But at the end of the day, they have extraordinary amounts of success yep. year in and year out, and I think the fact that Belichick is unlikable for some people works against. Brady and Brady too works against both of those guys that they're just not the squeaky clean even though I think every team's doing stuff like what the Patriots are doing I think the Patriots maybe take it up another notch and get caught once in a while because people are now looking for them to do things like that but it's the NFL. It's what I mean. At the end of the Sunday night game, there was uh, the the weird play. Like, yeah, Pecco, we'll talk about that. That was very weird. One of the the strangest endings. To Pe- the game Pecco was seen. calling out offensive place like they're calling well, he trying was basically, to like, snap count he was basically saying like ready right like, yeah, he was trying to the simulate the snap right. count trying to which is a penalty and like you could tell the ref knew it right away oh, yeah, he, he scrambled up flying there in there yeah the it was, Bengals were upset about the call but i just don't think the ref mishears something like that that i mean he was nah, that's matter of fact right ready to throw that flag that was a killer penalty though i mean they 
Arizona was already in field goal range, but that made it from you know a long forty plus yarder to a mid thirty yarder. Yeah, it really was. We should just jump ahead to that game because the other two games yeah, we can, were we terrible. Can Kansas I mean, City thirty three, San Diego three. The Chargers, man. Oh, I mean, they're 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 lacking some weapons, but this team, yikes! Big game for Spencer Ware. We should probably touch on. Well, yeah, sure. Kendrick West got hurt with the the hamstring injury, so we'll mm-hmm. see if that turns into anything serious. Spencer Ware had 11 carries for 96 yards, two TDs, so he's apparently the next in line if West is forced to miss time in Week 12. Phillip Rivers struggled in this one. I thought it'd be a decent spot for him. Chiefs defense looks like one to pick up in season-long. Chargers offensive line has is, is been a mess all season. I think it's a big part of the struggles of Melvin Gordon, but it seems like it's also impacting the rest of the offense now, too. Yeah, I, I, this is just an odd Chargers team. I, mean, I think they were kind of in the, the same category as the Lions for me for a while. You know, a team that is so much more talented than a two-win team, but six straight losses. I mean, might as well make it seven. They're at Duval uh, this coming Sunday, so that's <laughs> going to be a loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the weapons that they've lost, obviously that's been an issue. Danny Woodhead's hurt. Keenan Allen's hurt. Um, but Melvin Gordon, I mean, what a disappointment he's been. It, it seemed like you know these are kind of the numbers he was putting up through the first three, four weeks of the year, and you know everybody was thinking, you know, once once they get going, he'll he'll start reeling off those games. But I mean, the difference between him and like Todd Gurley, guys who are pretty Crazy, comparable, and you know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, imagine if that had gone the other way. I mean, what a blunder that would have looked like for St. Louis. Yeah, it would have looked really bad if St. Louis had taken the healthy back over uh, Todd Gurley, but. I still have some hope for Melvin Gordon. I think he's a better prospect than most of the Wisconsin running backs we've seen play in the NFL. And I think going to 2016, especially, the price should be pretty pretty low. We'll see what happens with Danny Woodhead if he's still around. Cause I know he takes away some of the value there, but most teams have two backs they're working into the mix anyway. Uh, Seattle won 29-13. This was a game that I, I didn't really watch any of because it, what was it, it ran against the Packer game, and you just knew that Seattle would win at home. Uh, Blaine Gabbert, 22 of 34 for 264 and a TD. Bolden, 5 for 93. It looks like he's healthy. Vance McDonald got that touchdown catch. Tyler Lockett had a big day. Russell Wilson played pretty well, 24 of 29 for 260 and three TDs. If you're looking for a team to throw quarterbacks against, I mean, I think San Francisco is yeah. one right now. They can't really stop the pass. They're kind of like Baltimore in that regard. Thomas Rawls went off, though. Marshawn Lynch didn't play. He's going to see a specialist. Maybe his season is over if Rawls is still about, out like, there. The Seattle career might be over. That's that been, came on like really, really quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's been a, a, a rocking vending machine for a few years that just needs a nudge before it falls over and all the chips fall out. He's but, owed something like $9.6 million next year. I mean, it would make sense, I guess, but he's still only 29. And it's, the high, it's the high-mileage 29-year-old, yeah, though. It's, it's like you get a car that's six or seven years old, but it's got 150,000 right. miles on it instead of 80,000. Like That's kind of what you're looking at with Lynch. But Thomas Rawls looks legit. Uh, 253 yards from scrimmage in this one, 30 carries. Seattle offense looks like it runs the exact same with him in it as opposed to Lynch. Right. Touchdown on the ground, touchdown through the air for Thomas Rawls. It wasn't long ago. I think we were out to lunch five, six, seven weeks ago, and Tech Eric uh, out in the office referred to him. Uh, we were talking about the Lynch situation, and he's like, yeah, I really like that Rawls-Thomas guy. So we're, we're, only, <laughs> we're only like a month and a half removed from people who follow sports closely thinking this guy's name was Rawls-Thomas, and he certainly he certainly showed us that uh that that is not the case but yeah i mean it this is a guy who pretty much came out of nowhere i mean a central michigan uh graduate but also somebody who went to michigan for three years so a pretty highly recruited running back i mean a guy who clearly has a lot of talent ended up leaving the michigan program amidst all the brady hoke 
I guess turmoil even the right word that might not be strong <laughs> just didn't enough. want to deal with Brady Disaster. Hoke pretty much it sounds like he's just like I'm out of here uh, and then had a great senior year at, at Central Michigan and you know what a pickup he's been for Seattle yeah, he's been outstanding if you've stashed him through Lynch's injury congratulations you might have a top five back on your roster the rest right. of the way based on uh, talent and opportunity so I mean he's uh, a guy who just he's, he even had a quote after the game that I, I never run out of bounds very Lynch like in that way and that he's you know he's going to get every possible extra yard for you and that can be great in the short term, but as we're seeing with Lynch now, you know, maybe he'll pay the price in four years. Yeah, it trims a couple of years off the back end of the career, I think, when you have that really physical running style. But at least the Sunday night game was, was good. I mean, it was actually a pretty good day of football for me because you had the Red Zone channel early as a Packer fan. Packer game went well, and then the Sunday night game was exciting as well. well wasn't Chiefs Chargers initially supposed to be the Sunday night game, and then they flexed? Man, Thank they God they flexed. Saved. This, this Bengals Cardinals game is awesome. This is one of the top three or four games of the year, I think, just as far as matchup and even how it turned out. Yeah, gracias, adios, indeed. I mean, thirty-four, uh, fourteen, Arizona. This, these teams. If, if they, I saw someone tweet this. If, if they played again in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be sad. I think that's no, a, that's a, be a, a, this a good be matchup. A, I think nationally, people would would be tuned out to this matchup a little bit more. Not that people wouldn't watch it, but I think. You know, I think people want to see a team like Green Bay or or New England. Oh man, uh, but if Seattle, I mean, it, if Cincinnati goes, we're all going to sling around recipes for Cincinnati chili, which would be awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be incredible. Does Cincinnati chili include noodles? Yeah, it's the noodle. Not, it's like the okay. noodle chili, and it's got it's like the only kind of chili. Like there shouldn't be noodles it, it, chili without noodles. It's it's actually really good. Of all the weird foods that are unique to a particular place, like Cincinnati chili, I think is actually like a better form of chili. It's an improvement from for me. I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think they they throw a little cinnamon or like cocoa powder or something else in there too. It's kind of sweet. Um, I, I got to get the skyline. By the way, our our friend Clay Link likes the skyline chili you always see the commercials for it like during reds games and stuff i think it's like a fast food place that serves cincinnati chili where you go in you get your spaghetti or your your dogs and the the chili are on the top and you know the onions and cheese and all that i'm a big fan but uh carson palmer i mean kind of jekyll and and hided in this one to to say the least first quarter was awful really really bad picks really bad picks a complete arm punt to to reggie nelson former uh, jaguar former former jag Former Jag, Reggie Nelson. Uh, but he finished 317 yards, four TDs. Things started to click. J.J. Nelson, man. like He was kind of the star of this, of this <sighs> game in a lot of ways. I mean, Chris Collinsworth was just oozing praise for J.J. Nelson throughout the second half. He's got Billy Hamilton-type speed for those who are, are baseball fans. Pretty much I mean, looks like, like Billy like, Hamilton, too. Yeah, he's body type. little. Like they said, 150, 160 I think he was pounds. 156 pounds at the combine. Jeez, he was like 5'8 or something, 5'9". Kind of a Deshaun Jackson e type of player, I guess. I mean, caught that long touchdown, came all the way across the field on, on like a long drag route for a sixty-four yarder, and that was kind of the big play that that sparked that second half for for Arizona. Yeah, that, that was a, a huge part of of their success offensively last night. I mean, it must be nice to have a number five receiver that can run like that. He's a return guy for them too. And Let's go Jeff Janis contributed there. I, I, I keep waiting for the Packers to try to get Janis the ball in space a little bit, but that's just that's just <laughs> not happening. A, there was a comment on the and we read a couple of these last week on the Green Bay post game story in the in the Journal Sentinel and. This is a quote. If the Packers don't trust Janice as a receiver, I love to see him playing as a cornerback after a bit of practice. Oh, after a bit of practice, yeah, he'll be yeah, fine. I think we should. I think Jeff Janice should probably switch to corner. Maybe next week he'll be ready after a little bit of practice. He's huge. He'd be the biggest corner in the league. What is he going to wear? What number is he? Like, is he a seventeen or something? Like, uh, that's a big, seventeen. I, for some reason, the first thing I'm thinking of is he. He can't be a cornerback with that jersey number. Yeah, I forget what number he's wearing right now, but uh, I mean, 
I, I think he's an interesting player. I just wonder. I wouldn't if, want him at cornerback. Then no, no, I would never put him at corner. <laughs> he's way too big to play corner. He would get torched. I don't know if there's like what receiver in the league do you point to like man he'd make a great cornerback like I just don't think that's just not something that really crosses my mind Greg Little a few years ago sure because he couldn't catch but I guess I mean not really I didn't want to put him at corner either no um the other big performances in this game Gio Bernard eight catches for 128 yards a couple of long gains for him to get to that total Larry Fitzgerald eight catches 90 yards didn't get in the end zone but a couple big catches down the stretch uh, as Arizona was able to get a field goal on that final possession that you hinted at earlier um so arizona was down seven to zero they're down 14 to seven and then they respond and get up 28 14 uh just at the end of the third quarter david johnson uh scores on a pass from carson palmer bengals respond with an 11 play drive uh to, to pull within seven then uh arizona gets a field goal bengals score again arizona puns bengals get a field goal and at that point it looked like we were headed towards overtime. It's a minute three on the clock when Mike Nugent kicked a 43-yarder to tie it at 31. Um, but, yeah, Arizona, I mean, this, this, we see this so often, it feels like, especially on you know, an offense like Arizona, maybe you expect this. But, you know, you, you, you like your chances. First and 10 at their own 16-yard line. If you're Cincinnati, there's less than a minute left. You think, you know, you can keep them out of field goal range from there. And it was just one after another, 18 yards, 20 yards. And all of a sudden they're at, you know, they're at the Cincinnati 47. They spike the ball, ready to line things up. And there's a penalty on who's, whoever the hair guy is for Cincinnati. Pecco. Yeah. Pecco. For, you know, this, is, this is on the, was this on the field goal that this happened? It was before the field goal. Okay, it was the so play they were, were going to clock it, I think, to set up the field goal. And it would have been a pretty, I mean, it, added, it made the field goal the easier. Cincinnati 28. So that would be mid 40s. Yeah. You know, and. Catanzaro is a good kicker, so a kick that you think he probably makes. But either way, you tack on an extra 15 yards for impersonating a snap count. Dumb. Just a dumb, dumb penalty to take because a long field goal like that, you just never know. You could just push it a little wide and the game it, goes to overtime. Right. Is this one of those situations? Like, I can't remember this ever being called. Is it just something where if you're – like it's kind of a – obviously it is in the rule books. I mean, they flag yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But is it just kind of like a mutual respect thing? If you're on defense, you just know not to do this? I would love to ask former players about right. that. I'd be like, does this I happen think, often? I think this should happen or, way more often. Or, or, or are teams really good about policing it themselves? I, I yeah. would love to know. I'm, I'm very curious. but I can't remember a time where it's been called. I'm guessing if somebody started doing this on the defensive line, the offensive line would be sure to let the refs know yeah, like, right away. within of the like a few plays it would stop right and when the other thing is late in the game the the back umpires or whatever move up so you know the umpire was right behind the linebackers so he was able to hear it you know if he's in his normal spot further back in the secondary he probably doesn't hear it so you know a tough way for it to end for cincinnati but either way the, the arizona would have had a pretty good look at a field goal regardless of the penalty a great game nonetheless but one that helps set things up for the steelers to come back and win that afc north yeah i mean things look much differently than they did for for cincinnati and you know, they're still by you know, certainly in the driver's seat in the division. They have a two-game lead over Pittsburgh, but you know, maybe not cruising to that that number one or number two seed in the AFC. I think New England now has a two-game lead, assuming that they win uh, Monday night. They'll have a two-game lead over Cincinnati uh, for that best record and, and obviously that top seed and, and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Quickly looking at this Monday night game, Bills at the Patriots. The line currently stands at New England by seven. Uh, at home, that seems a little low to me, actually. 
Yeah, I think they'll probably win by double digits, so I, I would expect big games from the usual suspects. Gronk, Amendola should have a decent night. I like him on DraftKings because mm-hmm. you get the full point per reception. I think LaFell is actually the guy I would rather have than Amendola going tonight just out of the two receivers. But it seems like Gronk's due for one of those massive games, you know, a 7 for 115 and 2 TDs, something yep. along those lines. And he seems to come up big in these type of games too, these, these national TV games. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when it counts and, and you know when when they're under the spotlight i think you really don't want to bet against gronk real quickly let's just look at our playoff pictures right now so we're through week 11 uh, obviously that one game to play tonight bills at patriots but i just want to project the playoff fields a little bit and i'm curious to see who you have and we, we talked a little bit about uh you know the texans and whether they can maybe sneak in but i'm thinking in the afc pats are the number one seed Bengals number two so kind of going chalk as things stand right now i think the colts end up winning the afc south uh, I think they get luck back at some point, and just the fact that they've been able to withstand, uh, you know, the luck injury and everything that's been going on, and still be at five and five, I think they'll they'll survive. I think the Broncos will survive in the AFC West. I don't trust Kansas City. I think the Steelers sneak in as a wild card. That's probably not too much of a hot take. And then either the Bills or the Jets. I think that final playoff seed in the AFC is going to come out of the East. And I think I'll give a slight edge to the Bills as of now. Interesting. I'm going Pat, Steelers, Texans, Broncos, the division winners, Bengals, and Chiefs. No particular order on Steelers, Steelers Texans, Steelers Broncos. Texans will be the, the worst of the four. Yeah, I think the Steelers are going to pass the Bengals. Hmm, I'm trying to look. What does Cincinnati have coming up? I mean, they, they definitely have one more meeting. Correct. They play each other at least. Yeah, they get the one more game coming up. Uh, I believe. I don't, they, I don't know. They, they played twice already. No, no. They play. They play on the thirteenth. Yeah. All right. There it is. Rams, Browns, Steelers, I Niners, Broncos, Ravens. Since he's winning at least four of those. Since he that will lose that, that to the Steelers and Broncos, and Steelers are going to run the table. And that would still only be a tie, though, wouldn't it? I don't know who'd win that tiebreaker if they split. I don't. I don't know what the what's like the second tiebreaker, like division record. Might be. I'm gonna assume. I'm gonna assume the Steelers have the tiebreaker, even though they probably don't. So I don't think they do. if they don't have the tiebreaker, I think the Bengals do actually win the division. But I think the Steelers. I think they're gonna make a comeback here. Okay. Well, what about the NFC? I'm going Giants uh, in the NFC East, Packers in the North, Panthers in the South. They'll be the one seed. Cardinals in the West. They'll be the two seed. I think they end up. They end up hanging on and, and getting that over Green Bay. Then I'm going to go Vikings. I think they'll be a game or two behind Green Bay when it's all said and done. That should be more than enough to grab a wild card spot. And then I think Seattle. I think Seattle's going to sneak in. Um, I, mean, I don't know. This is. I mean, we, they were kind of in this position last year to a degree where you know they kind of went through that midseason lull. And you're looking at them compared to a team like you know Dallas, Philadelphia, even Atlanta. Yeah, it, I think that the Seahawks are still kind of a cut above most of those teams. Yeah, I got the same six teams going. I wrote the Eagles in there as a joke, but I think they're, I mean, they're only a game back, but I think they're probably done at this point just because it seems like the defense is irreparable. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe the Eagles will sneak in, but I don't think the Cowboys can quite run the table. I think the Giants, even though we don't know what they are from week to week, they're still probably the best team of the four in that division. Yeah, I mean, this could be a do or die week for the Eagles. They're at Detroit, and if they're able to go in and put the smack down on Detroit, then it's kind of how it's been every, you know, every week. We, you know, they, they get, blown out by the panthers a couple weeks ago and we're all down on them and they go and beat the cowboys and everybody's back up and the way this division has been they're never really going to be out of it probably until the final week or two of the season but yeah if they if they lose a third straight at detroit uh, i think panic might set in and that certainly wouldn't be good for them with with the patriots coming up in two weeks yeah no doubt about that i mean it's just uh, something unexpected will happen like there's a team we're not even talking about right. that'll find a way in but this is where I, I think like it the fact right that now. we're talking about Kansas City, like I don't know, here they come. Like, I think that like rules them out. 
Probably, most likely. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up here? No, I think we're good. All right. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We are brought to you by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. Again, you can use that promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. And of course, Derek, if people want 10 days of free access to our site, ROTOWIRE, you can just go to rotowire.com slash pod.